Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. It's Friday, October 20th, 2023. Episode number 243 is coming at you. Thank you to Haley for that introduction. The big news of the week just a few days ago, Cody Cop posted that he is done with KTM. Actually, KTM has shut the doors to read his post word for word. It was fun while it lasted. I'm gutted to say that KTM USA has closed their doors on the factory racing flat track program. I want to thank them for taking a chance on me in 2021 as a sophomore in the professional ranks. It was an honor to win back-to-back national championships with them. Forever grateful for the experience, even though it was cut short. So that's it for Cody Cop, and that also means that's going to be it for Max Whale as a factory Red Bull KTM rider. Uh, unfortunately, they have closed the doors. Um, my take on it, um, it's hard to believe. But we did see Harley-Davidson do the same thing last year in the production twins class. They win the championship with the Vance and Hines Harley with Jesse Janish, and then he was left without a ride. So it does happen in our sport. It's uh, not the first time that that has happened to be exact, but uh, maybe maybe KTM wasn't getting the return on investment that they were looking for. Uh, you know, you're supposed to win races on Saturday to sell races on Monday or win races on Sunday to sell on Monday, or it's a little different in the motorcycle world. But, you know, what I started thinking about is since KTM started winning in the singles class, I believe there are more KTM riders out there. And so I did some math, I did some research, and if you look at the top 40 riders, 40 riders earned a point, at least one point, or made a main event in the 2023 season in the AFT singles class. 15 of the 40 riders made them ride in KTMs. That includes three of the top seven, and it includes two-time back-to-back champion Cody Cop. You know, looking at the AFT app, it only shows 12, but I also added Hunter Bauer. He started off the season on a KTM. Justin Jones rode a KTM here and there, and Tanner Dean rode a KTM earlier in the year. So 15 of 40 riders rode KTMs at some point this season in the singles class. So that asks the question, where's Cody Cop going to go next year? I'm sure his phone has been ringing off the hook since that happened. Uh, there's a new team forming down in Texas with Honda Twins. You know, I think they're... They have their pilot for the, that bike already, but maybe they're going to field two bikes. I mean, uh, maybe a seat's going to open up somewhere else. Maybe maybe he'll uh, do his own thing with his dad. I know a long time ago, I was at a Lima race. It was a non-national race. I went up there for a Jeff Hires RPM race a few years back, maybe just a couple years ago. And there was actually an Indian FTR 750 sitting there with the 43 Cody Cop number plate on it. So... He didn't get to ride it that day. They tried focusing on what, you know, on the 450 because he was still, you know, trying to win 450 championships and stuff like that. And so seat time on the 450 was a little bit more important than that Indian. But I'm sure a ride will come along for Cody. It's got to be upsetting right now. And as far as I was told, Cody Cop was under contract until at the end of the 2024 season. So I'm not sure if they will, uh, you know, pay him for this next season or, or what's going to happen. That's none of my business. I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. But uh, tough break for Cody Cop and Maxwell both. You know, where's Max going to end up? I think he'll have a couple opportunities. And uh, I'm sure his phone will be ringing here pretty soon, too, as he has made his way back down to Australia to enjoy some time off away from American Flat Track. Since I brought up 40 riders made main events in the AFT singles class, that made me wonder, well, just how many riders made main events in the Super Twins class? 
and that number is 37. So the numbers are obviously not what they used to be way back in the day. I don't think there ever will be. Um, I, I was on the Mama Tried Flat Out Friday podcast, and it came out earlier this week. They asked me about the sport and, and stuff like that. And what I mentioned then and on their podcast is back in the day when there was 200 riders showing up for to race in one class or 160 riders to show up in one class or you know 300 riders for two classes whatever it may be there weren't as many options back then you know the internet wasn't around people weren't seeing freestyle motocross that wasn't even in existence you know there was just less options of things to do now with kids growing up with the internet with with video games with you know anything is out there it's possible you can get your hands on things flat track is just not one of the mainstream racing things so to me the flat trackers come from generations handed down or from oh my best friend races flat track well what is that i'm gonna go check it out and then they go and then they try it and then they get hooked so there's a few different ways but uh, again back in the day you know everybody talks about how great it was well you know, maybe it was, you know, I, I remember it was, it was really good in the eighties and the nineties, but I'm talking when everybody talks about back in the day, I think they talk about the seventies, the sixties, when there was so many riders. I know my dad went to, you know, the Sturgis short track, there was a hundred and I think 128 riders in the novice class. You had to win your scratch heat race just to move out of there. And there was like 13 heat races or 14 heat races, and you could win your heat race and still load up and go home. So again, it just depends on, you know, put it in perspective. You know, right now, I think we have the best of the best flat trackers in the world because we have the people from Australia coming over. We have people from Spain coming over. We have people from England coming over and trying our sport. So, you know, the best of the best always rise to the top. And I think we've got a good group of riders right now. It's just the field numbers are not what they used to be. And I don't think they ever will be again. Let's shift gears. Last weekend, the Moto Beach Classic was out there in, on the West Coast. They race out there on the beach and they race on pavement. And Sammy Halbert won the dash and the main event on an Indian in the Super Hooligan class. And I believe that is one of the races I had to put on the bucket list. You know, I was watching uh, Roland Sands cruise through the pit area, talking about all the things to do. There's surfing, there's live music, there's a flat track race. It just looks like a really cool event. So that one is definitely on my bucket list. Shifting gears once again. Last week I talked about Maddie Belan, the former flat track racer who uh, set off to do a trek across uh, Massachusetts last weekend to raise awareness for Back on Track. Well, I know he did that. He got people thinking about Back on Track that didn't even know what Back on Track was. So my hat's off to Maddie Beland. He went 62 miles, and I was told that he was having trouble keeping any kind of food down. If you talk to people that run marathons or that run a lot, that's the hardest thing to do because your body is focusing on one thing and that's running. It's not focusing on trying to intake food and digest food and process the food. And when you run out of energy, you just can't go any further. I know at the the 32 mile mark, he was already stopping. He had blisters, but he, you know, he manned up and went on through that and he did run 62 miles. So congrats to Maddie Beland. That's 62 miles more than I ever would have went you know or tried running so uh man what a feat way to go way to raise awareness for back on track let's shift gears to last weekend rpm was racing at lima they ran on sunday due to mother nature watering the track all day on saturday they made that call early which i like that uh jeff hires is doing that he's done that a couple of times you know moved a couple of races later one day 
That way people don't go there too soon, waste time sitting there watching it rain and, and waste a hotel if they don't have to. But they moved it to Sunday. It was 40 degrees and chilly out there. But from everybody I've talked to that was there said the track was perfect. It was mint. Well, I give a lot of credit to Mother Nature because nobody waters the racetrack as good as Mother Nature. But, you know, and with 110 riders, uh, about 110 entries, it's easier to main maintain a track and probably not as many big heavy twins tearing up the tracks as what we do at American Flat Track Race. So there's several reasons why the track was was really good. And uh, again, a lot of the credit goes to Mother Nature. Of course, RPM did a great job keeping the track fresh and keeping it turned up and drug back down too. So a lot of factors go into that. In the pro classes, the Power Elite Open Twins slash singles class. So you can run the twins versus the singles. It was Trevor Bruner taking the win on the Yamaha. Cam Smith was second. And Killswitch, Jacob Vandekoy was third, so it's good to see Killswitch getting up there, getting his first pro podium of his career. In the Power Elite singles class, all I have written down was Trevor Bruner. He cleaned house in that class and uh, looked like he was the man to beat out there. And they did, they did add an, an open twins class. I talked about it a little bit last week. They're just going to try it out and see if that would be a class that would you know, get some riders to show up, whether it be a hooligan rider, an amateur rider, or a pro rider. Just seat time on a twin is very important because you don't always get that at some of the other races you might go to. But Cam Smith took the win on the Ryan Varge Racing Schaefer's Motorsports KTM. Kevin Stallings was second. He got his second ride on this XR750. And Lakota Leedy, it's good to see him up there trying to twin. He got third in that open twins class. In the amateur classes, I only wrote down a few of the classes. Some of them were kind of smaller. I didn't write those down, but 450 amateur class, Trevor Martin on the 88 bike took the win. Loic Nadu, he's from Canada, so it's a little French-Canadian uh, rider, but I, I said his name a few times up there at the Barber Fritchie, but it's L-O-I-C, so Loic Nadu uh, was second. Johnny, Johnny Boy, KTM Johnny Connaby, was third. 250 amateur class, Cody Mishy taking the win. Charles Jacks was second, and Brandon Ramsell was third. In the 50-plus class, Doug Davis was your winner. Mike Ashton was second, and Super Dave Kilkenny was third. Open amateur class, Matteo Racine, he's from Canada, was the win. Loic Nadu was second, another Canadian, and Andrew Reichert was third. In the 30-plus class, it was David Couric on a gas gas taking the win. Matt Rogers was second, and Kyle Snyder was third. 85cc class, Logan Higgins was your winner. Hunter Christian was second, and Madison Cross was third. And the 60-plus class rider, 60 years and older, still getting out there and doing it. Rod Comer took the win. Jack Wilson was second, and Ray Chester was third. I'll shift gears to this weekend. This weekend there, I got a flyer. Somebody sent this flyer to me, and it's a really, really good-looking flyer. It says, Hell on Wheels Racing, Born Free Motorcycle Show, Texas. And it says Saturday flat track, Sunday TT. That's October 21st and October 22nd. My problem with the flyer is where is it at? Texas is a huge state. I'm not just going to drive all around Texas looking for it. So I think if you're building these flyers, you got to put the city, the state, maybe even a racetrack. Because some some cities have different you know racetracks in them. But I'm not I'm not bashing them too hard, but I, you know, I love the flyer. It's got a really cool vintage picture of some flat track racing bikes on it. But just finish it out. You know, put the city and the state. Maybe even put uh, what track you're at. So, I mean, I know there's ways to find out. But make it easier so we can get more people to the track. All right. I'll get off my soapbox real quick.
I'm headed this weekend to Arizona for round number two of the IRC Enduro Cross. That's Saturday night up in Prescott Valley, Arizona. I'm looking forward to see if Johnny Walker can remain undefeated here in the 2023 season. Let's switch gears one more time. In my cover photo, I put one of my old racing t-shirts on there. So that's a picture I took of one of my old shirts. I had them back in the 1990s when I raced. Uh, my leathers were the Laurel Lake racing leathers. I was teammates with Ronnie Jones and Paul Bergstrom, but a really bright blue and a hot pink uh, were the colors of the leathers. And so that was the colors carried into my t-shirt. So it had like the classic 1990s colors. So my question to my listeners, to my fans, is should I remake them? Would they sell? Would you buy one? Carter did a mock-up for me a couple years ago, and we just, or I just, didn't proceed with it. Like, I didn't follow through. I didn't have it printed. I talked to Ricky Rackman. He does Cat House Hollywood t-shirts all the time, and he said he'd help me get some t-shirts printed. But I kind of just started wondering, would would anybody buy one? Would there be enough to make it worth my while to you know, have them mocked up and have them made and go through the whole process? So I'm looking for your thoughts. My listeners, my patrons, what do you guys think? Should I make a Scotty Dubler t-shirt? Let me know. Next little order of business I have is where is the AFT schedule? So I've been trying to be patient, you know, thinking back to years past. It always comes out on the last race of the season. We have a awards banquet afterwards, and they usually give us a little maybe a little preview of what the schedule is going to look like. You know, some of them have to be announced races or to be determined races. Some of them have, you know, subject to change, you know, stuff like that. I would like to see something. Thinking back to last year, we finished up the racing season last year at Biketoberfest down in Florida. Well, that's about right now. So about a year ago is when we finished up last season. So hopefully the AFT schedule will be coming out soon because uh, some people are getting impatient and uh, people are trying to make plans for next season and it's hard to sell sponsorship to companies if they don't know where you're going to be racing at how many times you're going to be racing are we going to be on tv are we not going to be on tv you know or is it just streaming what are we going to do so there's a lot of if ands and buts over there and and uh, hopefully that aft schedule will be coming out real soon let's shift gears one more time so whenever i had guests on the podcast sometimes like one of my rapid fire questions would be, what would be one thing you would change if you were in charge of AFT for a day? Well, I started thinking about that for myself. The uh, I've been making notes on this and I said, I might as well do it when there's not much going on. So the first thing or one of the things I would like to see change is we have challenge races in both of the premier classes. Well, if you're not winning, if you're not going to win, people just give up or people just don't even enter that race if they don't want to you know, put four laps on their tires or four laps on their bodies or whatever the instance may be, or they, they don't get the whole shot. They just pull off the racetrack. Well, I think to make it where these guys and girls go at it for four laps all out is how about we make it how you finish that challenge race is how you get to pick your first four spots in the main event. That way they'd race those four laps as hard as possible because it means something right now. It only means something if you're the first one across the finish line. It's just a thought. I know me and my dad, Fast Eddie, have been talking about that for a while, so I'm just going to throw it out there to the public. Also, uh, one thing that I don't like, and I've never had to experience it as a racer, just as an announcer, though, but we have this hour break or 55-minute break or whatever it is. It's usually an hour for the open paddock area. Well, that initially started at a few of the racetracks we'd go to when we would have to wait for the sun to set. 
that doesn't happen at all the races. So in my opinion, this is just me talking. Let's get away from the hour break unless we know that there's going to be an issue with the sun. The reason we would know if there's an issue with the sun is we'd go there the day before. So we'd make the schedule according to the sunset. We would look at our notes from the last few times we've been to these racetracks. We would look at the track position. We'd look at the, where the sun, when the sun goes down, is it going to affect us at all? Sometimes it doesn't, you know, if we're depending on the direction of the track, you know, so there's a lot of variables. I don't think it has to be the same exact routine at every racetrack. I think, you know, when mother nature puts us behind and there's clouds in the sky and we rush right through the schedule, I love it. You know, let's, let's keep the racing going. Let's not stop if we don't have to. Um, the teams, when they get to that level, they're ready to race. I know it takes a little bit of time to change a rear wheel, uh, you know, turn a tire around. Most of these top-notch teams have another rear wheel with a tire already mounted, ready to go. They can just pop that off and throw it right back on. It takes two minutes, you know, but I would like to, you know, give the riders a chance to rest, give them something to drink, change the tear-offs on their helmets or whatever, but... The hour break in between, after everybody gets going, and then we take this hour break, um, I'm just not a big fan of it. Next thing I've got on my little list of what I would change if I was in charge, you know, just to help with things, is the bonus class. I'm going with hooligans and even the Royal Enfield Bill Train Race class. Let's limit that to just 12 bikes per event. And whether we make it an invitational event or, you know, the first 12 to sign up or whatever, but... I think 12 bikes would save wear and tear on the track and it would save time, you know, in the looking at the big picture of things. That's just my opinion on that one too. And then for that bonus class, the same class I was talking about, my fourth little thing I have written down is why don't we try to maybe do an invitational for 85cc class or 250 amateur class or even the 450 amateur class and just, again, just do 12 of them, you know, one heat race, maybe two heat races and one main event give these up and coming riders a chance to race on a grand national aft track as as a former racer the only time i got to race at the peoria tt was at my first national now there's a race there in june so that was, really wasn't a good example but well how about the springfield mile you know the only time we race there is for grand nationals so the only time you're gonna get seat time the only time you're going to race there is when you sign up for your first pro race there so Maybe that wouldn't be good for an 85cc class. Maybe it would be, though. I don't know. Maybe it'd be really good. But you put 12 450 amateur class riders out there. Maybe you go with how they finished in the flat track grand championships. You know, put those top 12 out there and give them a chance to go out there and get used to these racetracks and get used to racing in front of a crowd, get used to answering questions from Kristen Bead or whoever may be doing the interviews that day. You know, uh, that's just my little last thing, my little last note that of things that I might change if I was in charge of AFT. You know, those are small things. Those are not necessarily things that people down there in Florida probably even think about because they're fighting bigger fires than that. But those are just four little things that I would like to see changed. I talked to my buddy Sammy Sabedra, and coming up this weekend, I'll shift gears for the final time. District 6 and District 7 are coming together for a race this weekend. It's in Newcastle, Delaware at Airport Speedway. Okay, it's a race. I get it. I don't talk about every little race, but this one's very special. It's the Mason Farrow Memorial Race. A lot of former riders and a lot of current riders have donated things. They're going to be auctioning those off, and they raised over $8,000 last year. And they split it up into three different places. 
One third of the money went to Back on Track, which was Rookies of 79. Now it's called Back on Track. One third of the money went to the Kyle McGrain Scholarship Fund. And one third of the money went to the Ryan Barnes Foundation. So it is for a good cause. Uh, kids classes, you get to race for free. And what Sammy said also is a lot of people bring these little gift baskets and they could have, you know, things for adults. They got things, things for kids. Well, you buy these raffle tickets and you put your ticket on whichever basket you'd like to win. And so many people bring these gift baskets that it seems like almost everybody gets to take something home. So it's it's a pretty cool deal. And at the same time, there's a race going on. And, and it's a, I asked him about the track and he said it's about the same size as the Sturgis Short Track, maybe a little bit bigger. So it's a, a really neat little event. And if you want more information on that, Heart and Soul Racing on Facebook. Heart and Soul Racing on Facebook. Uh, I don't know if you can you know bid on the auctions or not, but if you want to help them out or if you want more information on that, it's the District 6 and District 7 races coming together this weekend on Saturday. Mason Farrow Memorial, Heart and Soul Racing on Facebook. So it's a good cause, and they raise money for a couple of different reasons. So... Uh, you know, if you want to help out people, if you want to help out anybody, that's a good place to do it. Well, that's all I got this week. Kind of short and sweet. There's not a lot going on, to, not a lot to talk about, but uh, I want to keep you guys up to date with as much information as I know. And I look forward to your responses on bringing back my old t-shirts. And I also want to say thank you to my patrons. Thank you to Jim and Pat. Thank you to Pro Plates. Thank you to Access Media. And especially thank you to all my listeners. I'll talk to you guys next week right here on Off the Groove.